Hi, I'm Mary C. Curtis, and this is a bonus episode of Equal Time. Recently, Congressman James Clyburn of South Carolina celebrated its birthday before getting back to work. There's so much to do on infrastructure, rent and child care relief and getting his constituents and all Americans vaccinated against COVID. But we're going to talk to the House Majority Whip today about the issue of voting rights. As a civil rights activist, Clyburn was involved in protests that led to the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Now, his fight to pass new legislation to counter a wave of voting restrictions in the states must have him feeling a sense of deja vu. Now, let's recap where Congress is on these bills. H.R. 1, or the For the People Act, is a sweeping voting rights and elections bill approved by the House earlier this year. It includes provisions that affect redistricting, as well as campaign finance and ethics rules. H.R. 4, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which is a narrower bill, includes public notice requirements for voting rights changes and a system to allow citizens to challenge restrictive laws in courts. That bill is still in the works. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia has said he would not support the original For the People Act or, along with several other Democrats, consider ending the filibuster. But just this week, a group of Senate Democrats, including Manchin, met to discuss a revised version of the bill. The Supreme Court's recent rulings indicate it won't intervene to slow state voting laws. So, with the stakes high and time to get anything done shrinking, what, according to Clyburn, is the answer? Welcome to Equal Time, Congressman James Clyburn. So you were just on the floor doing some voting. Um, how's that going? <laughs> well, very well. Uh, we just passed the, uh, the supplemental. As you know, we've been trying uh, to get uh, funds uh, to replenish the National Guard and to uh, uh, give some raises to our uh, folks here, cut down on the overtime, get some more people employed. And the Senate uh, passed it today, and we uh, just agreed uh, with what they've done. Now, we've been doing several other things. We've had 10 votes today, but uh, that's the one that stands out. Oh, particularly since uh, the police have shown in the hearings this week their bravery and all the things that they're doing to protect Congress. Absolutely, absolutely. I, uh, I think there's some reason that the Senate... Uh, move unanimously uh, <laughs> to do it. When you get the Senate to do something uh, that big, that quickly, uh, it tells you something. Great. Yeah. Now, we asked you here particularly to uh, talk about voting rights, which is top of mind for so many. So let's get right uh, to it. Now, we have H.R. 1 stalled in the Senate, but Democratic senators met this week, a group of them, including Senator Manchin, and they're in talks to craft a scaled down version of the bill to try to get something done. Uh, How do you feel about that? Are you supportive? I have no idea. I'm not seeing what they are are doing. Um, I know what was in HR one that we sent over there, and it was pretty much what they put up as S one, uh, which uh, did not uh, go anywhere. Uh, at that time, Schumer said he would be bringing the bill back. I'm told that they were making changes to it. I have not seen those changes, but um, in a few minutes, I'm to be on the phone uh, with Senator Warnock. And maybe he'll bring me up uh, today on what the changes are. Uh, But um, I'm hopeful uh, that they're doing something that makes sense. It does not make sense to me 
to pass a bill that does not cover all 50 states. We've made some real mistakes on that. Uh, as you know, the 1965 Voting Rights Act was fashioned to target state that had a history of voter discrimination. Now, uh, the Supreme Court sort of knocked that down nine years ago in the Shelby case. And so we have been working since then uh, on trying to get that act reauthorized. But things have changed since then. We now got 48 states that have either passed or proposed restrictive laws on voting. 48 of the 50 states have done that. Now, if you only went with what was in the 1965 Voting Rights Act, you'd be looking at a history of discrimination and a state like Pennsylvania would not be covered, nor would Michigan be covered. So a lot of states that did not have a history of discriminating have now fallen uh, under the control of a lot of denials uh, and a lot of people who have bought into, bought into the big lie. And they're, they're proposing these laws. So we've got to have uh, a version of the John R. Lewis bill that goes beyond those states that the history of discriminating and talk about practices that may be put into place. So this legislation, that's why I got to see what they did uh, with this bill. I don't know if pre-clearance is in it. Uh, I don't know what's in it. So I'm not supportive of anything until I find out what's in it. Uh, S1 or HR1 basically had to do with redistricting, had to do with how you fund elections, as you know, calling for public financing Mm -hmm. uh, of elections. Uh, All of that's fine. But pre-clearance is what most people are looking at Mm -hmm. because they would be now about to have redistricting. And the question is, uh, will the redistricting be uh, pre-cleared or will not be going to leave it up to these states to draw the lines anywhere they want to and eliminate districts like mine. Yeah. Now, so both of these uh, laws, you would say, would be a priority, both the, absolutely, the, yeah, absolutely. the For the People Act and the John Lewis voting. Well, to me, and I've been saying this now, to me, I don't see us doing two bills. Uh, the Senate, that is. The House, yeah. The Senate, I just think they're going to come with one bill, and so we have to put this stuff in one bill because I don't see them uh, doing two. Well, have you uh, talked to any of your Republican colleagues? Uh, are they open to any of these voting rights measures at all? Um, I think Murkowski uh, from uh, Alaska uh, has expressed support with John R. Lewis uh, bill, uh, H.R. 4. Uh, that's the only one I've heard. So it really looks like an uphill climb, sure. no matter what they come up with, because so many Republicans seemed, well, they had even voted down even to discuss the bills earlier in the Senate. They didn't have the filibuster. They, no, it's going to be uphill them. no matter what. Uh, not just the Republicans. Remember, you got two Democrats mm-hmm. uh, that seem to be a bit recalcitrant when it comes to these laws. 
Yeah, and what do you think about, uh, you've talked about carve-out for the filibuster for voting rights. What is your view on this? Since so many people, as you say, Democrats and Republicans seem to be saying they're not going to touch the filibuster. Well, you might be aware, I'm the one that initiated that. Uh, I, you know, people started calling the carve-out, but it's the same thing that I've been saying all the time, that we ought to apply reconciliation principles uh, to voting rights and constitutional rights uh, the way we do uh, for the budget. Uh, in fact, I've even said that the word reconciliation uh, is more aptly applied to constitutional issues than budget issues. Uh, so I've been yelling about uh, this uh, for months now, uh, and I noticed in the last several weeks, people start calling it a carve-out. At least uh, Al Sharpton referred to it as the Clyburn carve-out. Uh, yeah, well, what do you feel about all of this discussion about the filibuster and so many people holding it up as sacred and using it as uh uh, a reason why they're not going to push these bills forward. Could you give me your thoughts on that? Well, you know, the filibuster, uh, I think, uh, has its place. It, it allows uh, extended debate on issues to give the minority some time to develop support for whatever uh, that minority position might be. But that's one thing. It should be applied, in my opinion, only to legislation. For instance, should we build a wall? Okay. Mm-hmm. If you want to fill a bus, that's fine. How wide the wall should be, how high the wall should be, <laughs> all these are legislative issues. But when it comes to the constitutional issues like voting, guaranteed to blacks by the 15th Amendment to the United States Constitution, that should not be filibuster. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. to me. Uh, is as straightforward uh, as you can be. And so the filibuster is not in the Constitution. It's not in any law anywhere. That's a tradition. You put it in the Senate rules. But tradition means past. We got to look to the future. Well, the Biden administration, it's been reported, is said to be saying that black and minority voters have to out-organize, vote in bigger numbers. But is that realistic considering, you know, minority voters really came out to uh, help elect Joe Biden, to help give uh, the Democrats the two Senate seats in Georgia? Will they, if these bills are stalled, will these voters feel like betrayed? Uh, you know, you need us, but then we can't get these bills through, particularly with uh, Democratic majorities so tight uh, coming up in the next elections. Yes, I think you're right about that. But, you know, uh, Joe Biden also said uh, uh, on the day that he was declared uh, the one of the presidency, uh, he acknowledged the role that blacks played in his election. And he said, You've always had my back and I will have yours. Uh, So he said that as well. And I think he knows how important uh, this vote is to the black community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm one who believes in accentuating the positive. Uh, And, you know, I don't camp out a whole lot with these negative things. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, we're going to get this done. Uh, And I I believe we'll do it 
uh, with the support of the president. Now, I've heard people say, you know, well, what's he doing? Well, you know, I'm not with him 100% of the time. Uh, I don't know if anybody who knows what I'm doing. Uh, I use the microphone a little more on those issues than he does, but I guarantee you I use the telephone on these issues much more often than I use the microphone. So who knows what he's doing on the telephone? Who knows what he's doing uh, in person? Uh, so uh, I just believe that we're going to get to where we need to be. Yeah. And the vice president, Kamala Harris, she has taken a vocal uh, uh, positions on these bills as well. Well, um, I was on the phone with her yesterday. We had a very long conversation on this and other issues on yesterday. What can you tell us? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you come with that about out of that feeling positive, as you just told me? Yes. Okay. I'm an optimistic person, you know that. All right, all right, I do know that, uh, Congressman uh, Clyburn. Now, tell me, do you think Democrats can hold the House and the Senate majorities without these bills? Uh, because we see the states, as you uh, ticked them off, uh, passing these laws. No, I don't. And I don't think we're going to have to worry about that. Because okay. we're going to pass these laws. Okay, so I just want to get it straight. You think that coming out, you're going to combine what you need from the two uh, House proposals? Well, no, I don't know what the Senate's going to do. That's my suggestion. Yeah, my suggestion is that let's just do one bill, wrap H.R. 4, uh, H.R. 1, wrap them all together in one bill and pass them. Now, the Justice Department and others are already bringing cases over that Georgia voting law, all those changes and restrictions. Do you think this Department of Justice actions uh, in these cases will be effective? Well, you know, uh, I don't care a whole lot for that being the remedy mm -hmm. because that's a four-year trek. If these bills go into effect or these laws go into effect, and you are in court for the next four years. What in the world? You saw what just happened, how much damage was done in the last four years? Mm. Just think about how much damage can be done in four years. We need to do this legislatively and do it now. And this stuff about if somebody wants to challenge them in court, let them be buried with the four years. We shouldn't burden ourselves with those four years. Well, you just told me what you think the stakes are for voters if Congress does not act on this legislation, that you could you could lose it and that um, the stakes are some bad policies uh, as far as you're concerned. Yeah. Well, how do you get Americans who aren't who don't see themselves as affected, specifically many white Americans, to see this as their fight, that they have skin in the game also? Well, you know, I'm always instructed by history. Uh, I, I tell people, consult your history. Uh, and, you know, I remember, what was his name? Uh, Martin Nemolia, what was it, the German theologian who wrote in Germany. At first they came for the communists, and I didn't speak up because I was not a communist. Then they came for the Catholics, and I didn't speak up because I was not Catholic. I was Protestant. And went through a litany of things that happened in Germany. And then he concluded, finally, they came for me. And by that time, there was no one left to speak up. So I would say to people who don't see themselves in this, uh, just remember, 
just because it's raining on me today doesn't mean it won't rain on you tomorrow. Um, now, uh, some of these Republicans had already voted in the past for reauthorization uh, and uh, of the Voting Rights Act and the Help America Vote Act. What is that about? Well, so many things that they've been for before they've politicized now. Uh, they've just decided uh, that they cannot win the elections fair and square. They got to stack the debt. Yeah. Uh, that's what, the, you know, when Obama got elected, uh, that did it for them. We can't have fair elections. Uh, and so that's where they are. They're trying to build as much unfairness in the system as they possibly can get into the system. You've talked a little bit about uh, voter ID, that um, you actually are for some forms of that. Um, is, is that correct? Do you- yes, I'm, just, I'm glad you asked me about that. I, uh, I don't feel like Richard in my pocket here today, but I, I carry my voter registration card in my pocket. It's been there uh, for 60 years. I, I, I registered to vote when I, was, when I turned 21. That was 60 years ago. That's the voter ID. Every time I go to vote, I present my registration card to identify myself as a person standing here to vote. And that name you got there on line 21, that's me. That's ID. I have never, ever been against a voter IDing himself. And all this foolishness. They're uh, saying that I am against voter ID. I'm against photo ID, mm-hmm. not voter ID, but photo ID. When you tell me that a photo on a hunting license is good or a gun permit is good, but a photo on a student ID card is not good. That's what I have spoken out against forever. And so when people keep saying that I've changed my position, I have never changed my position on voter ID. Never. And they can say it as many times as they want to. It's a lie. I have never changed my position on voter ID. Thank you for clearing that up, <laughs> Congressman Clyburn. Um, also, these uh, it's not just sort of the... Um, voting and access restrictions we're talking about. We're also talking a lot about the rules about who gets to overrule election results, uh, legislatures and other elected officials. Sometimes I think we don't look at that part of the law enough. What's the danger in that? I want you to call it what it is. Use the word nullification. It is voter nullification. Remember the I Have a Dream speech? Everybody remember I Have a Dream. Well, that speech was about interposition and nullification. That's what it was about. Mm-hmm. And when King finished that speech, he says, I am going to return to the South where there are Southern governors with interposition and nullification dripping from their lips. That's what this is about. Georgia just passed a law that's got nullification in it saying that these, this committee will have the authority to overturn elections if, if they don't say it this way, but this is what they're saying, if we don't like the results. Mm-hmm. That gives states 
power and authority over Article 1, Section 4 of the United States Constitution, which if you will read and study uh, the Federalist Papers 59, there's a long discussion as to why that cannot be. And states cannot be given that authority. That's why no state has been able to put term limits on Congress people. You can put a term limit on your state legislature if you want to, but you cannot put term limits on Congress people. And you cannot determine what congressperson comes to Washington. So yeah. that's why we got to have uh, this kind of stuff in what we call pre-clearance to make sure that no nullification law will ever be able to put in, be put into effect. That's what this argument is all about. So I was mm -hmm. sitting here, listeners, don't get carried away with this filibuster stuff. That's not the big deal here. The big deal here uh, is not just restrictive laws because like you say, there are some people saying, all we got to do, we got to out-organize. You can organize all you want to. If somebody's sitting on the other end and says, I don't care how many of you vote, I don't care who you vote for. If I don't like the way uh, who uh, has won the election or who got the most votes, I can overturn the election. So you're saying really that democracy itself is at stake? I've been saying that forever. This ain't about uh, just voting. This is about whether or not we will have a democracy or an autocracy. On January 6th, people roamed the halls of this building trying to uh, set in place efforts to make this an autocracy. That's what they were trying to do. They were trying to nullify November last year's elections and put in place their autocratic leader. I know you've seen so many of these civil rights battles of the past, and I also note, well, I want to say um, that you posted some eloquent reflections on the life and work of Bob Moses recently, who the rights icon and activist who recently died. Um, so this is a part of legacy that we're talking about. Have you thought about your legacy and plans uh, moving forward? And, you know, a, another election will be here before you know it. And this is such an important piece that you're talking about right now. I think about it all day, every day. Uh, that's what moves me. I said, I think, uh, I know once already did, I think twice already today. And I was asked that for some reason, people keep talking to me uh, about my legacy. I guess that's what happens when you turn 81 years old. Happy uh, birthday, by the way. Uh, I know it was not that long ago. Yeah. I saw you, you celebrated for a minute before you got back to work. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But thank you for that. But you know, um, I've, I've told my daughters, I had three of them, uh, I would like place on my tombstone uh, that he did his best to make the country's greatness accessible and affordable for all. That's what I want my legacy to be. If it's healthcare, I want to make it accessible and affordable. Housing, accessible and affordable. Education, accessible and affordable. That's what drives me every day. 
When I see legislation, I want to know, can everybody have access to this? Can everybody afford this? And if they can't, then let me see what I can do to make it accessible and affordable. That's what drives me all day, every day. Is there anything that I should have asked you? You know, I always do that question for you, Congressman. Well, I think we've covered it pretty well. I do believe there's some movement taking place in the Senate. I have not seen that legislation that they're talking about, uh, but I'm going to be on the phone in a few minutes, as I said, with Senator Warnock, and I guess he'll bring me up to date on it. Well, great. I want you to come back when you get up to date and give us the news. And I also want you to come back. And we still have that lunch to go to see Jonathan Greed's studio. I haven't forgotten. (laughs) Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. I only realize now how much my three elder siblings risked with their civil rights activism. They were so young when they marched armed only with signs and strong convictions. One brother was even arrested, twice. And while there have been steps forward, progress they helped make happen, laws to limit who votes and who gets to count the votes are signs of a country retreating from its own ideals. Will all Americans see that we all have skin in this game called maintaining our democracy? So what's keeping me up at night? Well, everything Congressman Clyburn said. One equal time listener told me she's worried about the influence of religion and politics, and she said to be sure to use her name. So thank you, Hodges. Let me know what's on your mind by tweeting me at mcurtisnc3. Check out my columns at Roll Call, and thank you for listening to Equal Time. Please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.